Welcome back to Behind the Madness, where we talk about business growth, ways to work smarter, and the fundamentals of business, all geared to unlocking your brand's peak performance. I'm your host, James Roberts, owner and founder of Method, and today I'm joined by Sean from HubSpot. We're going to talk over some of the ways that HubSpot are approaching sales and extract some tips from Sean that will help you lift your sales game. But before I jump in, I wanted to let you know about ways that you can contact the show. We have some great content and helpful tips currently going out on Instagram, which is probably one of the best places to find us. That is at hello underscore method. But we've also introduced a new email podcast at hellomethod.co.uk where you can give us any feedback or ask any questions that we will try and answer on future episodes. So let's jump in on today's episode, how to up your sales game and top tips from inside HubSpot. So welcome to Behind the Madness, Sean. Hi, James. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, hope you're no well today. At all. Yeah, very well. Very well. The, the hot weather's passed us by, which is making it a lot easier. Yeah. Let's start with a bit of background around you and your role at HubSpot then, Sean. Yeah. So, so even taking it before that, so I um, have been working in, in the tech industry in Dublin for about 16 years now which makes me feel very old saying that, um, but, but it's the truth. So I spent like 10 years in a um, pretty large Oracle, which would be a pretty large enterprise type company. Um, and then I moved on from Oracle to a startup called Datadog, um, where I spent about three years. It was an exciting role, um, again, in Dublin, like where I was one of the first employees. So very, very different to uh, my experiences in Oracle. And then since then, I am for the last up, coming up to two years in September, I've been working in HubSpot. So my, my role in HubSpot will be um, a channel account manager. So well, what is a channel account manager? So essentially, I work with a book of partners, um, roughly around 15 of them. And my role is to help them kind of getting in the right kind of sales processes in place, making sure like obviously I'm connecting them to the right people in HubSpot when they are working those deals. But like making sure they're going in, pitching HubSpot correctly, have an understanding of all our products and offerings and kind of supporting them essentially in terms of building their pipeline and working with them collaboratively on deals together as well. So essentially, like that's pretty much like a kind of a high overview of, of my role within HubSpot and obviously my previous experience as well. Perfect. So yeah, as Sean says, he's our, uh, he's our cam which is, uh, as he says, a channel account manager and keeps the pressure on us and also an amazing resource that all partners within HubSpot kind of do get, um, which is ideal. So, Sean, I've always had in my head that uh, with any of these big kind of American organizations and their sales teams, it's all kind of baseballs in hand, it's headsets on, and it's ringing bells kind of when all those deals are closed, all the high fives around the office. How does that can kind of compare to to HubSpot? How does that relate? I, I genuinely say it's like chalk and cheese. Like, so I, I think a lot of people like in the area, you watch films like Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross and all those kind of like old school sales films. And that's like the impression a lot of people have, like where you're, as you alluded to there earlier on, ringing bells and kind of things. So it's a very, very different environment. Like, and like HubSpot really kind of pride themselves in terms of, of the environment they create for their employees as well. 
So like it's very structured, like in your management and the rest of your team really do give you support, making sure that like we work together as a team. And, and I mentioned collaboration with our partners, but it very much is a collaboration kind of internally within HubSpot as well. Whereas like we really work together as a team with the common objective, like is what HubSpot's motto is we want to help businesses grow. Um, and that's our main objective. And like, we, we know, we're certainly not a pushy organization either. Like while, while we're massively growing consistently, nearly doubling our customer base every year, like it, wow. it's very much about going in there and understanding the customer's needs as opposed to pushing these products kind of on them going, oh, let's buy marketing professional, for example, or sales professional or enterprise. Like it, it's about understanding their needs, their challenges and really delving into that. And as opposed to pushing a solution on them, what HubSpot like to do would be really to kind of then tailor a kind of demonstration or, or a presentation like to their specific requirements as opposed to going, this is what we can do, we're great. Like, so I think kind of back to kind of your original point as well, James, like I think sales in general, particularly as we've moved to the world of SaaS cloud, like it is very much changed and like it's a competitive market out there as well. Like, so we really need to start kind of like understanding the customer's needs. And I think that's one of the best changes I've seen in my kind of time within sales. Like now it's really about helping the customers with their issues as opposed to telling them like what they need yeah, to yeah. do. Like, so I, I hope that answers so your helping, question. Anyway. not selling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's kind of what we've always done in terms of what we do as an organization is, is kind of the similar, which I think is why we were so nicely aligned to HubSpot when we, when we did join. Um, but yeah, it does come back to you are, you're helping your customers, you're helping them and you're not selling to them. I think there was an old analogy where if you were, uh, turning up many years ago with your car and you had the brush, you could turn up with this broom and say, this is the best broom in the world. Yeah. And there was kind of no, no one else to kind of question it. Whereas now, obviously in the world that we're living in, um, you've got all of the comments, you've got feedback, you've got testimonials. And it, you can be very quickly found out if you are just trying to, to kind of get that, that quick win. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, helping people uh, and, and, and aligning, as you said, exactly, aligning their needs to your offering, I think, really works well. Absolutely. So, obviously, you, you say, obviously, it's about this team collaboration. How does that, how does that work in the office? How, what's your kind of day-to-day -day look like? How's your typical day pan out? Yeah, so so what I typically go in using, like obviously I work for HubSpot, so using a lot of the HubSpot tools that, that are in place, I would go in, have a look at my tasks. Like, So that's the first thing I would block off my calendar. And I do think a very important kind of part of, of any kind of salesperson's role is to be able to manage your calendar. So what, what, what I mean by that is like kind of blocking off times like where you're going to do certain activities as well. Like so... I would spend the first hour, even hour and a half sun morning, like catching up with my tasks that I would have set in like our, our HubSpot CRM system, making sure I'm actioning all of them as well. Um, so they're, they're follow-ups, they're email people, all of the, all of the kind of reminders that you said that you're getting from all of the tools. Exactly. Like there might be cool. like, I might've had a call like with a prospect yeah, yesterday, for example, like, so making sure that I have a task set to send that follow-up email, like with clear next steps and agendas and all that kind of good stuff within the emails um, and then like what one of the, the important part is kind of as well kind of going into my pipeline typically I'd go in have a look at my what my pipeline is like for the month understand where the deals are within the sales process 
what do I need to do to get those deals to the next step? Like, so it might be you just had a discovery call with someone, for example, like, how am I going to bring that deal on to, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, onto solution presentation? Um, usually what I like to do, and as, as I mentioned at the start of the call, like part of my role would be like as a channel account manager. So I would spend a lot of time strategizing with my partners like yourself, James, as well, like where we would go in and kind of focus on kind of number one, like where can I support you in the deal process? How can we go in and build more pipeline for yourselves? Like understanding like, and I basically have partners at like very different levels. Like so HubSpot have a process, you'd have an untiered partner, a gold, a platinum, a diamond, and a lease. And I, I have partners at every kind of, tier that it is within HubSpot as well. So like your elite partners, for example, like will be very self-sufficient, but like still like they need to be kind of speaking to more direct or growing their pipeline where I would have new partners on and like I'm basically bringing them through like the like 101 of sales. Some are coming in like from a marketing background they haven't really sold for. So I'm helping them kind of gap uh, fill in some of the gaps in terms of upskilling them or, or providing them with content that's obviously going to to make them like, for example, a small example of that, something like I would give a good like discovery question list to kind of some of my uh, partners as well to go, this is how you should structure your kind of discovery call or, or something along those lines anyway. But um, so I suppose, yeah, as you said, people will come in from those different levels where they've had, they've had no processes in place. They've had nothing kind of set. They're doing it very ad hoc. They've not even probably had the HubSpot tools. It's probably those partners are probably coming in and, and learning all these tools as well. And they've had, uh, you know, they're probably doing it from referrals. They're doing it from emails that are coming in from their, from their, uh, from their contacts or potential leads, but there's been no set processes, I guess. So do so is that something that you would focus on a lot uh, outlining processes that you can work with, that you can work with these partners and work with yourselves really? Yeah, no, absolutely. And what I would say there is like for, for any company, no matter how big or how small you are, like. One of the most important things is having a defined sales process in place. Like, so that, that is really important to me. Like, so, well, why is it important to have like a sales process in place? So like, it's really like for, for your prospects, like showing clear next steps kind of, and it really builds certainty for you and your company as well. Like, so it's basically able to show like that you are controlling the sales process. And as a lot of people like are coming under the impression that the buyer wants to kind of control the sales process but they want assurance off the kind of the seller uh, for want of a better word like kind of to be able to go in there and show them that like you've got a clear kind of structured kind of process in terms you've done this before a lot of times like the buyer may not have had any kind of like sales or buying experience as well like so mm -hmm. you're giving them that assurance that like i'm here i've done this before We've done it with similar companies like you, so we know as well. Like what it also kind of allows um, the the salesperson to do is kind of it's able to really kind of manage your own timelines and, and your forecasting. Mm -hmm. Like like it really keeps your offering kind of at the top of an agenda as well. Like and kind of and it really like lowers kind of your chances of like a prospect ghosting you as well. Like and what what I mean by that as well is like. If you're constantly kind of, as I mentioned earlier on, I'd make sure I'm sending the follow-up emails to the prospect, outlining what we've discussed and clearly outlining kind of what we would basically um, like to kind of go through on our next call as well. Like, so it kind of brings me on to a couple of things as well that like I would feel very important as part of a sales process 
always have an upfront agreement. Like, so when you get onto a call, like really go in and kind of go, why are we on this call today? Like, so like, I, I don't know, like kind of like an, an example, I suppose of something like that would be going like, look, today we have 45 minutes scheduled for a call uh, to determine HubSpot is a good fit for your business. Like, does that time still work for you? And uh, naturally, like you'll have questions about HubSpot and the tool itself and the pricing. So that's obviously telling them what they're hoping to get out of it. Yin, you go something like, I would like to understand the structure of the business, your decision-making process, your current strategy, um, before going into kind of a presentation, does that work for you? So always kind of going back and like asking them the question on it. And then like, I'd say something like typically like the next steps would be kind of to provide, if we are a good fit, we to schedule a more tailored presentation, like, um, so some of the concerns that I have would be kind of not having clear next steps in place by the end of the call. Um, so what we should do at five minutes at the end of the call is discuss what we've gone through today and, and basically kind of going, this is what I understand and saying, kind of getting their clarification, like all the way through that process as well. So you're um, summarizing kind of as you go it, through it and all and, and at that end, kind of getting their, 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 uh, confirming that that they're understanding it right, I guess. As yeah, well. getting their buy-in as well, like James, like is very important. It's like so, just like always getting their buy-in and their feedback. Like well, what I would say, like, and if we we're just seeking specifically, I suppose, about a discovery call like that, you're trying to understand their business. It's always kind of, I'd say, a rule of thumb is kind of getting them speaking kind of eighty percent of the time and you speaking mm -hmm. kind of twenty percent of the time. And like well, that's important because number one you're going to get a lot more information from them if they're speaking all the time. Um, and, and also like, if we're just telling them about how great HubSpot are or whatever your product is, like your, your, your positioning to the prospect, like they don't want to hear how great you are, like, and I can do this and we can do everything for you when they're speaking, like, and, and it's really easy sometimes to do. And like, what I would say is just make sure you're asking open-ended questions, like, and. Like, and there's simple, like easy things go, why is that important to you? Like, what, have you tried to fix this before? Like what obstacles have you come up against? Like, it's like, obviously you can't keep them going. Why, but why, but why? Like, does it become a little bit robotic to be honest with you? But it, it, it is very much kind of following up. And like, again, going back to like the kind of rule of thumb that I would use would be that usually you ask a question, like, and then if you go, why is that important? Or something or phrase it's like, or describe why this is like important. It's usually when they start speaking after the third question that you're really, really getting into those kind of pains, I suppose. Like, and it's like the five whys, isn't it? From Toyota had the five, the five whys. That's right. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you find that takes a lot of practice? And I'm guessing the flip side to that question as well is, do you also work with script so you've got something to help you along as you're going through all these but then also yeah does it take a lot of practice and time to kind of get that those open ears as it were rather than open mouths yeah so so suppose going back to the early days in my kind of sales career like i kind of lived by kind of having those scripts like and like i'd have like certain questions like that i'd always ask like oh like straight away going and tell me about your business like how do you make money what are your challenges like and all and i'd have a list of questions i'd ask like to define timelines budget am i speaking to a decision maker and obviously going into those kind of pain questions as well but like i i wouldn't really use my scripts um anymore myself but i definitely suggest like for newer people people coming into sales like to definitely like have that structure now you don't want to be like reading like every question no. of a script and like 
a lot of the times what you'll find is like it your line of questioning like would be very you'll get a very different answer all the time like so you have to go with what kind of what what your prospect is saying to you and that'll be kind of really when you delve into it so in i suppose the short answer is yes initially i would have those scripts and eventually what will happen is like those questions will really become second nature to you as well like in terms of what you're saying i suppose it helps in the early days certainly i know we did it through dan tyre's uh sales boot camp his lions boot camp and having those scripts to kind of hand were off the first few calls which you know for, for if you bear in mind a lot of people who are going to be listening to this are going to be uh they're not going to be doing the calls they're not going to be doing all of those things where it can be really scary to just pick up the phone and speak to somebody from the first time and having those to kind of hand was quite helpful but over time exactly as you said you learn to kind of just use them as a maybe a prompt if you need certain questions but really listen to what that prospect's saying to you on the phone and, and tailor it that way. Um, but I also love the idea of, of summarizing and getting their buy-in yeah. at the end, but also defining out, and it's something we do all the time now, is you know if you've got 15 minutes carved out for a call, you stick to that 15 minutes and you know you let them know that you're coming up to the 15 minutes, there's something on, and you really, it really starts to focus those calls down to what you need. Um, one thing as well with the sales process, and I don't know whether this is something that you guys do, was we will always try and get the next process or the next step booked in before we kind of get off that call. So as we're talking to somebody, we're very much right. This is what we're going to do. This is what the next thing is going to be. How's your, how's your calendar looking for Wednesday next week? So we, we've already, it makes it harder to get out, as it were, yeah. but, but also you're getting that confirmation, I guess, as you're going. Is that something that you, you guys do as well? Yeah, and I, I genuinely, that was the next thing I was going to go on to as well. Like, so well, I, I've discussed already about kind of probably three kind of key steps in controlling a sales process. And what I mentioned was having that upfront agreement and really understanding that pain and asking those open-ended questions. And like you hit the nail on the head there as well, James, in terms of like having those next steps. And like, that, and that's probably something I didn't do earlier on in my kind of my sales career was very much kind of left it to them to cancel and, and or to kind of contact us like and as a result, a lot of my deals went to close loss as well. But like and it goes back to controlling that sales process again, like so unless you're kind of qualifying out, make sure you have a mutual agreed kind of next step in place. Like so you want to go right. So what we like kind of re kind of go through, like summarize basically what we've discussed today. So. We've covered this from my understanding, your three main, like, and usually I try to get three main kind of like little bullet points going. We've discussed, for example, you're not getting enough marketing leads. Uh, you, you've nowhere to kind of report on this or um, you, you have no way of sending out kind of mass emails or something. Is that fair enough? Again, get their agreements and then go. So what I would like to do as a next step now um, is kind of, arrange a tailored demonstration to those specific requirements does that sound good to you yes and um, so and then really kind of getting that and i always get that time in the calendar when i'm on that call as well i don't wait around i, I will get that meeting in going are you free next wednesday at three o'clock and they might say another time but making sure you're actually getting it in their calendar from then understand it saves it saves a couple of things as well sean doesn't it surely that when it's taking it off your plate you don't have to remember to do anything after the call you've got it all tied up nicely yeah within that call so as soon as, the, as soon as you hang up the phone there's no nothing for you really to do because you've got the next call booked in 
So you don't have to worry about all that time wasted of trying to chase somebody. But what was really interesting, I think what you said was when you were leaving it up to them, you were losing more deals or you weren't closing as many deals when it was, because, and, and what was that? Was that just drifting because the time was drifting on because you were waiting on them, waiting on them, waiting on them. By the time you finally got back to them, they were already had solutions in place. How, how, how kind of that correlate? Yeah. Like, so like a, a few things really like, so maybe they just left it like, and there was an expectation that I was following up on it. Maybe they're speaking with other vendors and, and they're further down the line with those other vendors and they might go, well, Sean never even bothered getting back to us. Like I'm speaking to Salesforce or whoever the other vendor is mm -hmm. like, and going, well, they, they're, cause they're certainly doing it as well. Like, but, um, yeah, like it really is kind of like going back to controlling that sales process as well. Like it, it basically like shows you that like or shows them like as you as the kind of the seller in, in this instance, like are really kind of in control. You understand their needs as well. Like and you, you have like kind of position something like going, we will be able to do this kind of in the next step as well. So it just shows, I suppose, an air of competency, like when you have those mm -hmm. in place and when I didn't do it years ago, like, like a lot of deals, some would get back to you, but for the most part, like, like a lot of them weren't getting back to me. Like, and like, again, it goes back to kind of your question, kind of original question on what do I do on a day-to-day -day basis? That's why it's important to have those tasks as well. Like, cause if you don't have that structure and you're not setting that time aside, you, you can be a bit all over the place from a sales perspective as well. So you can be very much kind of going in going, oh, I never sent them the email. Oh, I missed that as well. Like, so it, a lot of it, like being a successful salesperson is about having structure kind of in your day-to-day -day routines and like everything you do, like should be all kind of taught out, like and timed and all as well. Like, so I, I think that is very important. I, I hope that answers your question. I wasn't. Yeah, I think that. From our point of view, I mean, obviously we've got, uh, we're a little bit bigger now. So we've got Andy who helps out with, with the sales front. But when it was all falling on me, I'm obviously trying to do the day job. I'm trying to do a number of other different things. And without, if it, if it was leaving it up to me, it wouldn't happen. Uh, whereas I had, that's why I have to have these reminders. I have to have the tasks. Um, and I have to have that, that prompt of somebody just telling me, telling me to kind of, to do it. I think also what coming back to somebody who's outlined a sales process and you're, you you kind of kept mentioning that, you know, you want to make them feel that you are in control and that you, know, you almost know what you're doing, which I think then certainly from what we do reflects well, when, if you were taking them through a sales journey and you've got a nice process that you are doing with that, with that prospect, it almost makes them feel comfortable that when they do work with you, obviously it's slightly different with a SaaS based company, but when they're dealing with us, we're still dealing with them and looking after them in terms of their jobs and their requirements and their needs. And if you've laid out something with a good process through sales, then they're going to feel more comfortable about doing the actual work with you because you're actually going to look after them and do those same processes, obviously different, but with them when they're actual customers. So I think that's a really, really good point of outlining. How, how long are the processes? How long, and obviously it's going to depend massively on, on the organization and the, the, the verticals that those organizations are in, but how, how long does, do, do those processes take? would you say, generally speaking? Yeah, like, like it's a good question. Like, in, in some ways, you could say, like, how long's a piece of string? Like, because every kind of sales process can be different. So I, I suppose, like, a typical HubSpot sales process where they'd be buying kind of, let's say, marketing professional or sales professional, we, we would typically say about four to six weeks, that sales process mm -hmm. would, would be. And, like, what, what it basically would be, like, would be, as I mentioned, we'd have that initial, like, 30-minute call or, 
introducing ourselves. Then what we would bring it into is into that deeper kind of discovery call. And um, the next steps would be more than likely a kind of solution presentation. Then like, probably we'd set up another call like um, that we'd kind of like discuss the pricing, like how this is going to look like bringing in kind of yourself, a partner like yourself, James, like to onboard them as well. Like, so I, I look that that'd be, that's a dream sales process. Like, like it all depends. There might be like a, a far more complex deal, like where they might need multiple integrations or mm -hmm. they, they might like have different kind of systems they're using and like they have to know how these will work together. Like, so like a sales process, I've had sales processes that have taken kind of six, seven months, even some that have taken up to a year. Um, obviously you're going to invest more time in a bigger deal as well. And there's probably mm -hmm. a few more steps involved, but what I do think and what's really worked well for me in terms of controlling that is having a kind of mutual action plan. And, and what I mean by mutual action plan is like, it's a document, like an Excel sheet that I've set up, like, and document, like, and nearly you go into these things and work backwards. So going, what date do you want your decision made by? Like, so we want to be up and live and running on our systems by September the 30th in 2022. So all right, four months. What has to happen, like, in that kind of process nice. in order to yep. get us there, like, and, and again, and this is a document I would share with the clients, and I found kind of the time in terms of my opportunities I'm working on have kind of reduced, uh, reduced massively because, like, I'm controlling the sales process as well, and I'm cladding out all those clear steps, like, oh, some of the things I mentioned that happens in the sales process, but they might go, oh, I have to have an internal call with the board, for example, but documenting all that. When is that actually going to take place? It's going to take place on the 3rd of August. Okay, so why don't we put something on our calendars? You have that meeting on the 3rd of August. We'll have a catch-up on the 4th of August to see how it's going. Like, but So it gives you, and like if you, if you have a manager, like I sit down with my manager, like and we do forecast reviews, like and I don't bring up this document. So this is when they want to make a decision. This is everything that we are aware that has to happen as well. Like, and like when it really works well, like these mutual action plans is when they, like it could be shared with multiple people in the organization mm -hmm. you're prospecting to, um, and they're updating all the fields going, oh, we have to do this and what we have. And then, then, you know, you're in a really good place with a deal as well. Like, because you kind of know, okay, we've got key stakeholders in here. They're buying into this process as well. Like, so, like, so to answer your original question, I suppose, like, how long does the sales process? It could be anything depending on your offer. You could sell something in two days, but I suppose my point I'm trying to get at really is kind of going, you can control that process as well. And by having those activity plans, by always putting next steps in place, by kind of getting their buy-in, because like what another really part of it as well is kind of what we would call getting a champion in a company. And what a champion is in a company is someone that like, is selling for you internally. Like, so typically like I'd be speaking for a marketing side, manager, yeah. if they're, they're buying kind of our marketing hub, like, and a lot of the times HubSpot is probably, you, you know, James is, is the best marketing tool out there in the market. Like, so a lot of times they want HubSpot, but the CEO go, I don't care what you want as well. Like, but you, you, you want to make sure that like you're giving her like, or him all the right materials, like in there to kind of go, okay, well, what do you need in order to get this across the line? Like, and, and in terms of material there, what are you, what are you kind of giving out? Is that blog stories? It's articles, it's videos, it's whatever relates to that need of, let's say that marketing manager then to provide it to their stakeholders or their bosses to convince them. 
Exactly. Yeah. It, it yeah. could be any of those. What, what I do a lot of the times actually is do a little like, now I don't do a, a 50 page deck like or slides, anything like that, but I would give kind of four or five slides to, to that person like, and basically go in and kind of go and like, what are the challenges we have? Like, so they're sitting in like with, with their CEO or CFO or whoever their, uh, their board members or uh, exec level people are. And then clearly going, these are the challenges we have. This is how HubSpot can fix it. Um, and then really kind of just showing like where we can add value. Maybe I might even put in a case study like of, of a relevant organization like to them, like in the same industry, the same size or something like that, where we can actually go in and um, go, right, we've worked with companies like yours before. So I, I think that has worked really well for me in terms of having that little deck like kind of to your kind of the champion like um. And, and I do think it's very important to have a champion, like in all your kind of buying processes, like and really working closely with them. But then what that will happen as well is like they will be happy to introduce you to other key stakeholders as well. Like your your CFOs, your chief revenue officers, your CEOs, like if they get involved in the process as well, like but that's when, you know, you have a really good champion, too. Yeah, perfect. When they're including you. Right. To kind of bring this to a little bit of a close, and I think we've covered um loads um we might have to get you back on sean and, and kind of deep dive into some of these some of the points that we've raised yeah. but kind of as a, a little bit of a closing question what would you be your top tips for kind of anybody uh working in sales who kind of want to improve their game yeah like it, it's a good question as well like and like there's so many things i could say here as well like so what, what what's like i find initially kind of like in when i was in my early sales days as well like is kind of understanding like don't have happy years don't be listening kind of to going oh yeah they need marketing and oh or they need a sales tool or a service tool or, or whatever product you're selling like and going oh yeah that's great and like we, we're like have that like so we're gonna win like like i really try to identify why they won't buy like and, and that's really important like and so asking questions like stuff like why will you not move forward with us like have you ever done this before tell me about your process like who else is involved in the decision making process I, do they want anything like or is it just you like and all like and like what objections do you think your colleagues would have like can you think of three reasons why this won't be approved like and look they might seem like negative questions but like if you've identified all of them as part of the process like you, you, and the worst thing to do is get dragged along in a sales process. And look, I think everybody has been guilty of doing that at some stage or another where you're going, I think they want to buy, I think they want to buy, but like yeah. you probably yeah. haven't asked those hard questions. And like what that will do is like, there's no, there's nothing wrong with qualifying out of an opportunity. Like, and I think like more junior salespeople like are afraid to qualify out, ask those hard questions like, but like it's your time, like your time is just as important as the, as the prospect's time as well. And and you have to realize that, like, you don't pander to kind of what they want and like letting them, as I mentioned, controlling a sales process, you be selfish with your time as well and be prepared to qualify out as well. Like, and like, there's a kind of like asking those questions into the statement, like shy kids don't get the candy <laughs> I heard before. Like, so <laughs> like what, what I mean by that and how it relates to what I'm saying as well as going like, if you're not asking those tough questions, like, um, that, like, what, why are we, what, why are you in it? Like, you really have to know that as well. So, so that's one point. Um, like, suiting, like, probably going back on some of the other stuff I mentioned earlier on, like, and not for want of being kind of repetitive, but like, 
I can't stress how important it really is as part of the, the sales process to kind of have that upfront agreement in place, really outlining from the call. Again, this shows control going like kind of, what are we going to cover today? How I'm going to help you? What, what I need to understand from you as well? Um, and having those clear steps in terms of what we're going to cover. Having those, and look, as I mentioned earlier on, there's no harm having kind of like a scripted questions as well initially in your call, but like really having those, how am I going to delve into this pain? Asking open-ended questions, making sure they're uh, kind of speaking the majority. If you're kind of speaking a lot more than them, I genuinely think like there, there could be a problem there because you want to be hearing them like kind of speaking and going through their challenges because there, there's an emotional side of it as well for them. Like, because number one, they don't want to lose face in the company, like as in like, oh, I don't want to bring this poor product in, like, or I don't want to kind of make this investment that doesn't work. But they want to kind of come off and show like, I've made this business better by bringing in whatever tool or, or whatever product or feature like that, that the, the seller is offering as well. Like next steps as well. Next steps, like is another kind of point I certainly would kind of really reiterate in terms of going through kind of having that plan in place, getting something in the calendar understanding who the attendees are going to be getting a time a date, getting that meeting link out like sounds simplistic stuff like but i can guarantee you a lot of people don't do that in the kind of the sales process as well like and yeah so that's pretty much most of the things i can think of off the top of my head i think that's five anyway james I'm not, yeah no not that's brilliant. absolutely brilliant. yeah no it was good enough it was good enough i think you're right i think every point that you've kind of raised opens up another avenue which we can delve into and as i mentioned before it'd be great to kind of have you on in another episode where we can really pick on a subject obviously covering sales as we know yeah. as we found out is is a big old subject but i think as you said having those strategies in place so sean thanks so much for today it's been amazing as we said we've covered some uh some great topics uh and also got a little bit of insight into hubspot and the, the fact that you're not ringing bells and you're also working <laughs> as a working as a team which i think is much better so thanks for your time today sean thanks for having me on james really appreciate it no problem. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. Remember, you can always drop any comments directly to us on our email podcast at hellomethod.co.uk. That's it for ep this episode. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.